Welcome to the Debut Reverse Stick Podcast, where we talk, chat, argue and agree about the great global game of hockey. Greetings and welcome to the Reverse Stick. My name is John Lee and together with my co-host Matt Allen, we're going to bring you a weekly dose of all things hockey. Matt, good to have you here. Thanks, John, and welcome everybody to the Reverse Stick. Thanks for downloading our very first podcast, and uh, hopefully it's something you'll get into over the coming weeks, and we can bring you lots and lots of info on the, the great game that we love. Now, coming up in our first episode, we'll be chatting to Mike Smith. He's the curator of the Hockey Museum, and uh, he's got some interesting things to say about the game. It's a fabulous resource, the Hockey Museum, but we'll find out more about that a little bit later. We'll get to some news as well and a couple of other things along the way. There's been some big announcements in hockey in the last few days. But first of all, we should tell you what we think the reverse stick is all about and how you can get involved, Matt. So we're a a couple of frustrated hockey lovers um, who think there's a bit of a gap in the market. There's not enough people talking about our game. And so we want to do our little bit to help raise the profile and uh, bring you some interesting stories from the world of hockey. And there's uh, an accompanying website to this podcast, thereversestick.net. That's our web address. If you go there, you'll find uh, not only the podcast, but there's some opinion pieces we've written, and we'd like to encourage hockey lovers out there to write their own opinions and send them to us. We can publish them on the website and talk about them on the podcast. That's it, and you can also get hold of us on the social, so you can head to facebook.com forward slash thereversestick and also to twitter.com forward slash thereversestick. So get your opinions to us, let us know what you think about the podcast, and uh, yeah, get involved. It's all about spreading the, the word of the great game. So uh, we look forward to hearing from you in the future and featuring some of your feedback on the podcast during the show as well. But first up, it's time for... As we mentioned, there has been a a couple of big announcements in the world of hockey in the last few days, but there's been some results recently as well, Matt. That's right. There's plenty been going on around the globe over recent weeks as competitions in the Northern Hemisphere drew to a close. The Premier European Women's Comp, the Euro Hockey Club Champions Trophy, finished up with 2017 Dutch champions HC Den Bosch taking on Germany's Hockey Liga Final Four winners UHC Hamburg. It was Marta Powman's final game for the Dutch side, and she didn't fail to deliver, scoring a trademark short corner opener in her side's 2-1 win on home turf. She also claimed best player and top scorer at the tournament, in a fitting farewell to her club of a number of years. On the men's side of things, the final four of the Euro Hockey League took place in Belgium, with clubs representing England, Belgium, Germany and the Netherlands. In a pulsating final match, German champions Rot Weisskoln triumphed 3-2 over Dutch giants HC Orangi Rude, claiming the Euro title for the first time. Florian Schulten fired the decisive third and final goal for the Germans and they then went on to withstand a barrage of successive short corners to close out the game and be crowned Euro champions. Coming up on the international schedule, we have the Hero Hockey World League for Men taking place in London with some mouth-watering clashes expected. England, Scotland, Pakistan, India, the Netherlands, Korea, China, Argentina, Canada and Malaysia will all face off in a bid to reach the finals in India in December. The Women's Fintro Hockey World League semi-final is also soon to get underway in Brussels. 
The home nation are one of the favourites to qualify for the finals as they host Australia's Hockey Roos, China, Italy, Malaysia, Korea, Spain, New Zealand, Scotland, Italy and the Netherlands. We'll be keeping you up to date with the progress of these tournaments and much more in future episodes. Uh, just going back to the European competitions there, Matt, was that right, the, the men get a trophy and the women get a cup? That's right, John. Uh, I think the women get the better side of that deal because trophies don't traditionally hold fluids very well, but cups, they're good for filling up with champagne. Absolutely. And probably the biggest uh, story to break in the world of hockey in the last few days has been the announcement of the, and I've got to get it right, the Hockey Pro League to commence in 2019. Now, it's only been made, announced, the final teams for this particular competition in the last couple of days. Um, so... We do have some theories and some opinions that we will be sharing in the next couple of weeks about the proposed, well it's not proposed, it will be happening, Hockey Pro League. Now first up we should give people an idea of the teams that have made it through to the Pro League and in the women's side of things, Argentina, Australia, China, England, stroke Great Britain, I'm not sure what that means, Germany, India, Netherlands, New Zealand and the USA. Matt, you've got the men's? I have indeed, so we've got Argentina, Australia, Belgium, England, slash Great Britain once again, Germany, India, Netherlands, New Zealand and Pakistan, with Pakistan actually playing their home games in Scotland, so I don't know uh, how the weather will go for the boys there, but it'll obviously be a little bit chillier up, uh, up in the northern climes. Look, it, it's um, hard to be diff- uh, critical, too critical of this concept yet because we haven't had a, time, a lot of time to digest it fully. But uh, just off the top, that seems like a rather silly idea. But we'll get to that. And maybe the FIH has got really good reasons for doing it and those reasons will come out in time. But, you know, on the surface, it seems a bit weird. Yeah, but it, it's certainly been launched with great fanfare. Um, it's very glossy, very shiny. I've got to say, I do feel a bit of excitement about it. It's, um, it's something new. Um, but, yeah, like you said, we'll, we'll talk about it over coming episodes and try and explore a little bit the pros and the cons of the new Hockey Pro League. Yeah, and, you know, the FIA should be congratulated for trying to take the Bulls by the horns to a degree, you know, trying to generate interest and trying to get things going. I mean, it's all part of that... Hockey Revolution, which uh, we'll be speaking more of as well in coming weeks. There'll be a couple of opinion pieces appearing on the website over the next two weeks. That's uh, thereversestick.net. You can go and find all that, those sorts of goodies and uh, have your say about them as well. But we'll, we'll speak more very, very soon about the Hockey Pro League. <laughs> You're with the Reverse Stick Global Hockey Podcast. So each week we'll be looking to bring you some feature interviews from people around the world of hockey. Really want to touch all four corners of the globe and um, and hear your hockey stories wherever you are. Our first interview that we're going to air this week is with a gentleman called Mike Smith. He's the curator of the Hockey Museum, uh, based in the UK, and he's got some great uh, information and, and tales to tell um, about how he got into hockey, how the Hockey Museum was started and uh, what their role is um, as an organisation for us as hockey lovers. And uh, just before we play the interview, uh, we'll be playing... There's two parts that we'll play today. It's an edited interview. The whole conversation was half an hour, which isn't going to fit into our, our podcast timing. So, so what we've done is we've, we're playing you now an edited version 
of the on Mike's interview. But if you want to listen to the whole interview, the whole half an hour, it will be available on the website if you go to our homepage at thereversestick.net and look for featured interviews. And from that page, you'll be able to hear the whole unedited conversation in its entire context. Not that we've taken anything out of context, but there's plenty more Mike has to say on top of what we're going to be playing for you today. That's right, and we'll, and we'll put the links to all of that through the social media feed, so you'll be able to click onto it and get straight to the uh, straight to the page on the website. So we might as well get straight to it. And we started by asking Mike exactly what the Hockey Museum is and what its aims are. Well, the Hockey Museum is, was originally intended to provide uh, a record, history, heritage, preserve the, the, the hockey history of England and Great Britain. Uh, that was sort of, I, I suppose, six or seven years ago. Um, but we've now expanded it a little bit wider than that because the FIH asked us to get involved to help them, again, to preserve the history and heritage of international hockey. So, in a nutshell, that's what we're, that's what we're up to. Now... For you, this must be a, a little bit of a labour of love for, to a degree because you've been involved since in, the inception and that's, what, over 30 years ago now? Well, actually, it's 25 years this summer, the, um, the, the, the real start of it, when we, when we had a hockey stadium here in England at Milton Keynes uh, and that's when we got going. But I, I was working in those days, so it was difficult to devote too much time to it. Uh, and then, unfortunately, England decided to walk away from its national stadium, and so we lost our home. And uh, we didn't think it would ever come back to life. But uh, through a chance meeting with um, a local authority man who thought a hockey museum was a good idea, we were given some premises six years ago, and we came back to life. And and now, well, I think you could say going pretty well. So in, in the meantime there, Mike, in the, the six years, what, what, what happened with the gear and what was going on with it? Well, between, um, between 2000, when they closed the stadium, and 2000, and six years ago, uh, we, we, we didn't know what to do. I put all the stuff in my warehouse because I'm lucky enough to have my own business so I could stash it away. But I didn't really think it would ever come out of storage again. Um, and it just lay there. I kept things like the library and uh, certain other elements live because I was always getting students wanting to ask questions on various aspects of equipment and history and what have you. But I didn't think it would ever sort of come back into life the way it has. Mike, we're not just talking about a box or two of stuff here, are we, either? I mean, how much did you have? <laughs> uh, how much did I have? Um, stashed away I suppose in excess of a 20 foot container load really if you took everything into account the, the library, the art collection all the equipment um, lots of records and boxes so probably a 20 foot container load yeah so, that, so the original collection there that had been built up over the years by England Hockey no, by me. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, most of the stuff that England hockey have had over the years uh, has been lost to a large extent. Um, they, you, 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 I don't know if you know much about the history, but England hockey had a very bad time in the 1990s and 2000. Uh, they went bankrupt and they, they, they sort of went through a couple of metamorphoses and 
came out the other side and in moving premises a lot of the material uh, sadly went missing and the move from Milton Keynes saw a lot of stuff lost as well so we've been trying to piece it together I mean the way I put it to people these days is we're trying to recreate or create a jigsaw puzzle of the history and heritage of hockey um, so many pieces have been lost and will never be found but we are finding enough material to enable us to make up a picture that it will at least be recognisable but it will never be complete Now speaking of that history Mike exactly what does the collection consist of? If you were here at the museum with me I would go to the file and pull out a list of 55 topics uh, that cover the collections and the study items that we have on our list that would that takes in pretty well everything that we at the moment would look to um, consider for collecting or studying and it take you, you go through the list it's obviously sticks and balls uh, it's clothing it's ties it's pin badges it's art i mean it's literally everything that that is concerned with the game are there any particular items within the collection that you're, you're most proud of that you've, you've managed to get hold of? Uh, I suppose the 1908 gold medal that we hold is, is probably our proudest possession because the 1908 was the first Olympics in which hockey took part um, and it was probably through that inclusion in 1908 that hockey became a truly international sport uh, you know, on the on the Olympic scene. So yes, that's probably our. It's, I, I doubt it's our most valuable. I, I don't know. I've never really sort of tried to equate the value of these things, but I'd say that's probably one of our most treasured possessions. Yeah. So John, John and I were actually talking before about whether there was a, a William Webb Ellis moment with hockey, and you know perhaps that could be it. No, I, I think that the gold medal is merely uh, an item, an iconic item in the in the journey. Um, where you would actually say the William Webb Ellis moment might come from probably would be in the 1870s when uh, there were no more than three or four hockey clubs here in England and they, they created a, a, a rule book, a code of rules. I think that's the the real sort of change point because people playing a stick and ball game for recreation goes way back and I think you mentioned in one of your emails to me that, that um, you've got records of, um, uh, 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 of Aboriginal people in Australia playing a form of stick and ball game, am I not right? Yes, yes, apparently. Um, I'm trying to find out more about that, and I was going to forward it to you, and I could. Well, I mean, we'd like that, because we've certainly got evidence of stick and ball games being played on all the other continents, and if you can give us that one about, um, about Australia, then that gives us a full house, really, and shows what a natural thing it is for man to pick up an, in, an implement, a, a stick or a club, and, and hit something with it. So... Um, that you know the codifying of the rules in the 1870s, and maybe from our hockey playing point of view, the introduction of the D, um, uh, striking D by Teddington in, in in that early period, 1871, 1872, that probably might qualify as the Webb Ellis moment. So, Mike, you've obviously 
you, you, you love the game. There's a, a big passion in there. Where, where, where's it come from from you personally? Where, where's your grounding in hockey? Well, my father, undoubtedly, is the greatest gift my father ever gave me. Um, Dad uh, was a great hockey player. He, he was born in India and learned his hockey in India. Uh, and then um, when he came back to England, he played club hockey and county hockey here in England. Uh, and and I was I was clutching a hockey stick from the youngest age uh, you could imagine. So that's how it all started. And I suppose I've always had an interest in history. It's something that uh, that that that, that, that uh, tickles my fancy is history uh, and statistics. Statistics I think are great. I love playing around with statistics. Um, so yeah, it's been uh, it's been a passion all my life. Um, and I've, I've I've been very lucky. It, it turned out I, I ended up running a hockey equipment company. I I married a hockey girl. We've got two lovely sons who are both hockey players uh, and love the game and and got a lot from it. So yeah, I mean I, I've got so much from it and hopefully put something back into it. Yeah, well I think that's one of the beauties of the game, isn't it? Is the is the, fam- the the family element and the come one or come come one come all attitude that that's um, that's with the game. Couldn't agree more. That's 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 embodied in the fact that having got going uh, five six years ago with the new museum, w- w- actually with a proper home, um, within within a couple of years we had fifty volunteers working for the museum in various ways, uh, and and there was no cajoling. That was people hearing of what we were doing, and they just found, they they liked what was going on, and they wanted to be part of it. You're with the Reverse Stick Global Hockey Podcast and we're talking to Mike Smith, the curator of the Hockey Museum and one of the questions, Matt, that didn't quite make the final cut but is available on our website, thereversestick.net, in the full unedited version was the idea that it's surprising something like this wasn't available for hockey beforehand that it's taken so long for us as a sport to get this momentum going. Yeah, well, I think we're seeing uh, globally there is a hockey revolution happening. There's uh, a lot of exciting stuff happening with uh, the, what would I say, the the new face of hockey. We see guys like the SouthPass.com boys um, doing very well on Facebook and Twitter and exciting crowds and showcasing 3D skills. And uh, I think a podcast is a is a good complement to you know what they're trying to do and and what hockey lovers are, are trying to do and what hockey lovers expect from their sport. So let's get back to part two of our interview with the curator of the Hockey Museum, Mike Smith. Mike, on to the collection a bit more. How do you come across the pieces that you do, and is there a piece that you would like to get your hands on if you could? Trying to get our hands on something that somebody else has got is not really a problem. As long as we know what it is and where it is, and we can refer to it and maybe borrow it occasionally, that's absolutely fine. We're not looking to corner the market in in everything and anything to do with with hockey equipment. And and if we kept collecting at that rate, we'd need a we'd, we'd need a, a museum the size of the Albert Hall to hold it all in. So we, we we're quite happy with 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 what we're pulling together. Most of what we've got has come purely by donation. Um, unlike cricket or rugby or football or golf or tennis, where uh, the, the historic memorabilia of the game commands a very high price, fortunately in hockey that's not the case. And so we are able to 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 gather stuff together at 
very modest cost. Occasionally we buy the odd thing, but not very often. So would there be any plans to take any part of the collection on the road, for example, the, the hockey in 50 objects, or either throughout Europe or globally? I think the answer to that is very much so. We are planning at the moment to try and create a mobile uh, display uh, facility, uh, obviously probably means a vehicle, that we can take around the clubs and schools of, of England and Britain. Um, and our relationship with the FIH is, 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 is building very, very positively and, and we're, we're delighted with the support they give us and I, I believe that they're delighted with what we're doing. So, yes, I can see us developing uh, some kind of road show, as you might put it, certainly exhibitions at major events. We've done, we've done an exhibition at the major international event here in England for the last four years uh, and we, we've had talks about the possibility of doing it at, at other international events but you know, you're looking at a lot of cost to be able to go abroad to do something like that uh, and we just have to wait and see how things pan out but yes definitely we would look to take things um, out and let people have, have a feel of it and understand what it's all about. So what, so what can the hockey community do now, you know, if, if we're sending a message out to anybody who's listening to this, what can they do for you, what, what can they find in, the, in their little collections and in the back shed, wherever it might be, what, what are you after and, and how can we help you? Well, it's communication is the name of the game. Uh, we've just you, you, we've just done a, an international scoping study where in, in conjunction with the FIH in an effort to try and uncover um, people all around the world who have an interest in the history and heritage of hockey. Now that interest could be some people who've got collections. I mean, you have people in Australia who have collections, um, and all we want to do is to try and find out who those people are, and ultimately get get the the stuff they've got on a database, so that if we're ever looking for a program of some match in Melbourne in 1936, um, we can find a copy of it. Uh, it. It's just information that we want to put together. Uh, and uh, the scoping study is, is trying to help develop the awareness of history and heritage of, of our sport and get people around the world talking to each other, working together, so that um, we, we can develop this, this, this great great tradition and, uh, <coughs> and history and heritage that we've got the ultimate of that is that we want to, we, we are aspiring to try and produce a definitive history of hockey there are a number of books that have been written over the last century and a bit on various aspects of the history of hockey um, none of them are definitive they haven't really got true references uh, that, that you could rely upon so we are looking to produce a, a definitive history of hockey for 2024 which will be the centenary of the FIH uh, Mike how, how can people get in contact with you the website is hockeymuseum.net that's uh, yep. all, all one but uh, you've obviously got email contacts there as well if we want to come and visit you when are you open? Mm -hmm. We open almost any time anybody wants to come and visit us because we're all volunteers and enthusiasts. Uh, we hardly ever turn anybody away. Uh, strictly speaking, we open every Wednesday. 
Um, but we, I, I, I've had people visit us on Saturdays, Sundays, you name it, any time. We're always happy to try and show people what we're up to at the museum. Uh, so if anybody's visiting the UK uh, from Australia or indeed from anywhere, all they've got to do is get in touch and we will almost certainly be able to accommodate them with a visit. And, and while we've got you here, I would like to make the point that, that is that you've got a great website and it's obvious that, that the museum is open to everybody just because you can't get to the museum in England that you can still become involved through this website. It's a fantastic resource as well. Well, thank you for that. I mean, I'm not a very technical person myself. In fact, most of my friends uh, consider me as an IT desert. But... <laughs> um, uh, I, you know, one of the things I wanted the website to do was exactly what you have just said, and it's very heartening for me to hear you say that because that's the message we're trying to get across. And of course, we are always we always welcome any input from people who've got other ideas or opinions, um, information, whatever it might be. We, we, we're always open to that. Look, Mike, it's been fantastic talking to you. I I'm sure, based on what you've said already, we're going to be chatting to you again soon, hopefully. i um, delighted to. One more thing, just quickly. We need some controversy from you before we go. I know you were out there on the uh, the golf course yesterday afternoon. I was wondering, yes. uh, I've got a, a little argument I have with people about golf. Sport or hobby, where do you stand? Right, well, let me give you my definition of sport. Uh, I've always used to say that my definition of sport was it was something that you had to change clothes to play, um, that you needed to shower after it, and that you couldn't smoke while you were doing it. <laughs> now, that probably means that I would classify golf more as a hobby than, than as a sport, because you certainly see plenty of people smoking um, when, you're, um, when you're out on a golf course. I, I, I do have some. I do have some fond memories of goalkeepers about 25 <laughs> years ago playing with a pipe in their mouth, though. Or, or a cigarette in the back of the net. Yes, I, I, I know that is absolutely true. Yes. Oh, that's marvellous, Mike. Thanks again for joining us, and uh, we'll chat again soon. I will also uh, put some information on the webpage and stuff with the podcast about the hockey museum, and people can check it out at hockeymuseum.net. Thanks again, Mike. My pleasure. Nice to speak to you. And you're listening to the Reverse Stick Global Hockey Podcast. Uh, thanks very much to Mike Smith there from the Hockey Museum. Very generous with his time and a uh, really fascinating guy that has a great love of our game and um, has done great work down there at the Hockey Museum. And you can get on and find out more about the Hockey Museum at hockeymuseum.net. So that's H-O-C-K-E-Y-M-U-S-E-U-M dot net. Um, and some really great stuff to have a look on there. And if you're, you're ever in that part of the world, in Woking, in Surrey in the UK... Then uh, head on down and uh, go and see Mike and the great team that they've got down there, and uh, I'm sure you'll love what they've uh, what they've got on offer. And uh, I'm, I can't remember if it made the final cut of that interview, but if you send Mike an email, you can probably get in there at any time of the day or night. You so choose. He's a pretty affable sort of fella and uh, doing a fantastic job. And it's a great resource too, the website hockeymuseum.net. If you go there, it's, there's stuff in there that's fascinating. They've got oral histories in there as well. There's just a ton of stuff that is admittedly at this this stage it's still very 
concerned with English hockey, but I th- they're, they're making a real effort to get out there and internationalise the hockey museum. And if, can you imagine how much ris- rich history there is out there in the hockey world, considering all the different cultures and countries that are involved in the game? It's a fascinating area. Absolutely. And look, and if you've got a great collection, you know, maybe it's a, a printed hockey magazine collection that you, you, somebody in the family has been looking after for 50 or 60 years, that's the kind of thing they'd be really interested in. Um, you know, perhaps you, you could even get it scanned and they could add it to their files online. Um, it's, um, yeah, a, a, a really, really great uh, project and uh, one that's worthwhile in supporting. Now, I do know Mike's been on to you about... Uh Get copies of the Hockey Circle. That's right. Yeah, the Hockey Circle is a, uh, an Australian um, weekly hockey magazine that started up in 1933. Um, so there seems to be some bits and pieces of collections around and about, but nobody can quite put their finger on the the full collection. So anybody out there's got hold of that, then Mike would be very interested in talking to you. Now I'm sure we'll be hearing more from Mike in the future as well. Now a couple of things coming up in the world of hockey as well, Matt. We've got the World Hockey League going on, and we'll be starting. Well, I think as this podcast goes to air, probably. Yeah, we've got the uh, Hockey World League uh, semi-finals coming up for the men in London and then a few days later for the women in Brussels. And those sides are all obviously um, trying to get themselves into the finals being held later on in the year. So good luck to all the sides that are taking part and hopefully you can get out and support your team and uh, and uh, get behind your nation. It'll be interesting to see with the announcement now of the... Uh, pro hockey, uh, hockey pro league. Exactly what effect that's going to have on the next 18 months of of the world hockey league. Uh, considering some of those teams will be playing in the new league, some of them won't. Some of them will be staying in what is essentially the will continue to be the world hockey league. So, uh, in future episodes, we'll be talking more about that and getting the opinions of those that perhaps know a little bit more than we do. Yes, much to be discussed. Yes, that's the feedback sting, Matt. That's the bit where in the program where each week we'll be featuring the things you've had to say to us about hockey. They might be funny, they might be dead set serious, you might be a complete loon and have a really way out there opinion about the game and, you know, if, if it has some merit, we'll be uh, featuring it here. Also on the website you can have a look at our opinion there, reversestick.net, we'll be having an editorial each week and there's also a gentleman that we both know whose name we're not allowed to divulge at this stage due to legal proceedings but uh, he has his opinion about hockey there as well we'd like to encourage your opinion yeah and first off I'd just like to apologise there for that, that sting and, uh, <laughs> for any any loss of hearing or you know perhaps your neighbour's cat's been jumping on you just uh, yeah apologies but that will be the feedback sting now, coming up next week on the Reverse Stick podcast, we're going to be featuring part one of an interview we've done with Terry Walsh. Terry's had an amazing impact on the game over decades now. He, there's not much he hasn't seen or done in the world of hockey. Fascinating guy, and especially his early career, which you can't find out much information about. You actually have to talk to Terry to get that sort of stuff. Yeah, fascinating stuff. You know, the guy's a 175-game capped Australian international that uh, you know, in a time when 175 games was a, a hard number to achieve and uh, he's gone on to an absolute stellar coaching career in the States in the Netherlands with Australia um, and currently in uh, the technical director role with uh, Malaysian Hockey Now you can get in touch with us on the web thereversestick.net or at Facebook facebook.com forward slash thereversestick or Twitter twitter.com forward slash 
TRS. This has been the first Reverse Stick Podcast. And don't forget to tell your mates, and uh, we look forward to getting some more episodes to you very soon. Bye for now.